Well, if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Luke chapter number 10? Uh, Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter number 10. And we're going to begin our reading in verse number 25. Very well-known portion of Scripture, but uh, just as uh, I believe Paul said, we need to remember these things that have been written lest we forget. And I know a lot of us have heard this story, have heard this uh, passage many times in our life, uh, but uh, just I feel like as, as Brother... Uh, Dick Webster preached a couple Sunday nights ago. It's good to be reminded about things. And uh, I know the sermons that pastor preaches each and every time he comes to this pulpit, uh, they're not new sermons. They're just the same old sermons that the Bible preaches. And uh, I know that sometimes we just need to be uh, reminded about it. And that's what I'd like to do uh, tonight, just be reminded about the fact that people need mercy. People need mercy. And uh, we're supposed to give it. We, the church, uh, the ones who have received mercy, unmerited favor. You know, um, something that we're supposed to get that we don't get. And so Jesus says in verse number 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, look up here. This question's been asked many times before. And uh, many times to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, this question has been asked. It's not a bad question. Amen? Uh, We've all asked this before in our own life. But the motive behind this question is something that I want us to see here this evening. And he said, certain, verse number 25, And behold, a certain law lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, Jesus said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, He didn't clear his throat. (laughs) But I'm the type of person I get into the story here. And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind. And thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he, I, I want to stop here, dude. <laughs> you should just walk away at this point. But just like a lot of people in the Bible, and sometimes mm, a lot of us, willing to justify his conviction. That's what's happening here. The lawyer, the scribe, is under much conviction. 
But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, Not with the... <laughs> Anyways, I gotta keep going. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him upon his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him. And whatsoever ye spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. And that was the answer to who is my neighbor question. And Jesus asked, now, which of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, this is pivotal, go and do thou likewise. Kind of the same thing as Jesus said in verse number 28 when he says, This do, and ye shall live. But the lawyer didn't get it. Um, he needed an illustration. Um, he needed further conviction. As if just loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind wasn't good enough. And loving your neighbor as thyself wasn't convicting enough. There is something else. Actually, there's nothing else. Because that's enough. Go and do thou likewise. May God bless the reading of his word. I have you seated here this evening. The title of the message is this just a neighborly reminder someone needs mercy. Here this evening, I'm just trying to give you a neighborly reminder that someone needs mercy in their life. You know, the, the word mercy is used over 261 times in our Bible. Uh, the... Another word that we're very familiar with being grace is actually only used 159 times. The word compassion is used around 56 times. So the word kindness about 26 times. And so we understand fully that mercy is kind of there at the top. And I love the passages in the Bible where it talks about mercy. Mer God gave mercy. God gave mercy. God gave mercy. Even to the point to where God created a mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant, and a very, uh, 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 the, the very thing that, 
that would show his holiness and this holy of holinesses in that way and be put in that position to where, hey, hey, if you fall upon the mercy of Jesus Christ or God, rather, if you fall upon the mercy of God, uh, that's all you need. Mercy. We, we hear it, uh, uh, hopefully, in, in our daily walk as we as we read our Bible and, and, and as we study God's word and has, as we have a relationship with God. Come on, people. We need to have a relationship with God. And with our continued relationship with God, we receive mercy. Yeah. Hey, we're all sinners and continue to sin even after we're saved. And even then, hey, I need some mercy, especially even after I'm saved. Yeah. The story is told of a mother who sought for Napoleon the pardon of her son. The emperor said it was the man's second offense and, and justice had to be demanded uh, and by way of death. And the woman said uh, unto uh, Napoleon, I says, I don't ask for justice, said the mother. I just plead for mercy. But said the emperor Napoleon, he does not deserve mercy. The mother cried, sir, it would not be mercy if he deserved it. Mercy is all I ask. And even the ruthless Napoleon said, I will show mercy and gave her, gave him, excuse me, gave her son's life back to him. Here we go. Uh, somebody who really probably doesn't understand God's full mercy is given mercy. Uh, maybe along this line, uh, to lighten the load a little bit here, uh, the story is told of a politician who, after receiving the proofs of a portrait, was very angry with a photographer. He stormed back into the uh, uh, he stormed back to the photographer and arri arrived with the with these angry words. Uh, this picture does not do me justice, the politician said. The photographer replied, "Sir, with a face like that, yours, you don't need justice. You need mercy." And I can, uh, I, <laughs> I can understand that uh, looking at the Heartland crowd, you all need some mercy. <laughs> Mainly the guys there, actually only the guys. Mercy, uh, something, that, something that we deserve but don't get. You know, it was very common in Jesus' day, and it, and it was expected uh, from rabbis and teachers that they would discuss theological matters uh, in public settings. And, and if you know, if you look through the, through the Bible and countless times as Jesus was ministering and as Jesus was going through uh, his earthly ministry, uh, most of the time he was speaking in a public realm or uh, out, out in the fields or uh, uh, out towards the seashore. And it wasn't like it was in church type setting. It was out in public. And so it was very common that teachers would discuss theological matters in these settings. And most of Jesus and his disciples teachings were in public, taught uh, in the open public. Uh, and of course, one of the major questions brought up amongst the Jews in that setting was this. How can one inherit or how can one uh, have eternal life? And that was a major discussion with a lot of uh, Jews and a, a lot of teachers there. And, and uh, many times, uh, it, even within our scriptures here uh, in passages before that Jesus answered this question. But the problem is they still didn't get it. Still didn't get it. 
I believe in uh, Matthew chapter 19, verses 18, and, and Matthew chapter 22, verses 39. Don't turn there, but uh, Jesus is approached uh, by Pharisees and, and by other lawyers and by other scribes and, and by other people asking them, hey, how can we have eternal life or how can we earn eternal life? And Jesus' answer was always the same. Love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. Even in Matthew 22, I think it's uh, very comical that after Jesus put the Sadducees to silence, that the Pharisees came and tempted him and asked the same question that was asked a couple passages before, that uh, asking this, how do I love my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And, and Jesus' response was always the same. But they still didn't get it. Even in Mark chapter 12, verses 31, and uh, it, it talks about how a certain lawyer came uh, to Jesus and, and said, who is my neighbor or who am I supposed to love? Paul talks about this in Romans 12 uh, verses 9 and also in Galatians chapter 5 uh, verses 14 where he is very pointed and says, hey, in order for you to receive or have uh, to, to be able to uh, go into heaven, you've got to love God, number one, but also you've got to love your neighbor. Now, that's not how you get to heaven is loving your neighbor. But after you love God and receive him, it's just something that you do. Like after you're saved, you're supposed to love each other. I'm going say that again. After you're saved, you're supposed to love each other. And care about each other. You know, it was a good question here asked by this lawyer, but it was asked with a bad motive. Look at it in verse number 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and the Bible says tempted him. Tempted who? Tempted Jesus. The word tempted simply means that he was trying to trap Jesus. Now, I'm very thankful I'm on this side of the word of God. <laughs> okay, let me, let me try that again. I'm very thankful that as I read this passage, and I, I'm, I'm sitting here uh, as a 37-year-old man, sitting here thinking, <laughs> that guy was so dumb. Didn't he know that Jesus knows everything? Doesn't he know that, uh, that you, if you try to tempt Jesus or, or try to trap Jesus, that, that you're going to look really dumb afterwards? Okay. If I was on the other side, I probably, in my arrogancy, because you wouldn't be, but, but I'm just preaching to me here, that you probably would go to Jesus and say, <laughs> no, that was really convicting. Um... But who is my neighbor? Or, or how do I really receive a, a eternal life? Knowing that countless times before, Jesus has already tweeted <laughs> and posted and written books and said, and the word's gotten, word, word has gotten around uh, through the, the, the Jewish Tribune and the, and, and the Jerusalem Times that, hey, in order to inherit eternal life, you must love God and love your neighbor. Quote. 
but he didn't get it. And he thought he was going to be the first one out of all the seminary students or all the scribes or all the teachers to trap Jesus. But Jesus, like he always does, turned it around on the lawyer. And he said this, as Jesus normally does, after you ask a question, he asked a question. Master, what should I do to inherit eternal life was the question. And Jesus says in verse 26, he said unto him, what is written in the law? Um... So this is your strong point, right? You're a lawyer. You should know the law. That's what Jesus is saying. And then he says this, how do you interpret it? I mean, he's even given this guy the benefit of the doubt. Let's just go ahead and go back to the law. Let's go back to what you know to be true and what you've read and, and how you read it and how you interpret it. And so Jesus was, man, he was very kind. He was kinder than what I probably would be. He was a little bit more merciful than what I would have been after I've already been asked this question countless, countless times before and I already knew that this guy was trying to tempt him, was trying to trick him, was trying to manipulate that situation. He shows even mercy up to this point, says, well, let's go back to the law. And how do you read it? He took the man back to the law, not because, catch this, he took the man back to the law, not because the law saves us, but because the law shows us that we need to be saved. Um, you know, a lot of us, before we got saved, and those of us who've grown up in, in church all of our lives, we... We've had a head knowledge. Huh? But, is it, but it wasn't until we understood in our heart and repented in our heart that we got saved. And Jesus is being merciful to this hypocrite, to this um, full of himself, Young man, arrogant, and is bringing him back to what he knows to be true and what he has studied for years, the law. Because Jesus understands it's not the law that's going to save you, but if you really understand what you know, it's going to convict you enough to do what you're about, what you need to do. And the young man says this in verse number 27. Well, I know the law. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. Now, that, that's what he was quoting here. The law of, of back in the Old Testament, which he, he, he knew, <laughs> he knew, but really didn't know. Then he goes on to say this out of Leviticus chapter 19, verses 18, and he, and he continues this, uh, this law, and he says, And thy neighbor as thyself. Now, he knew the law. 
And the Bible says that Jesus answers him, you're right. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I don't think Jesus said that, but he was implying here that, hey, you got this right. <laughs> Good job. Almost, and I don't know, I wasn't there, neither were you, and so, but I'm preaching, so this is how it goes. That Jesus literally looks him in the eyes and says, that's exactly right. Uh, this do. In a very kind and gentle way. And uh, I believe this, this lawyer was convicted. Now, actually, I'm convinced he was convicted. <laughs> because look up here, when you're convicted and convinced of your wrong and of your sin, as the human tendency goes, you start to backpedal or you start to dig your way out of that conviction. <laughs> and that's what he does in verse number 29. But he... Willing to justify himself, meaning this, willing, uh, knowing that he was not wanting to admit fault on himself, that he did not truly love God or his neighbor, willing to justify himself, meaning this, that he was not willing to admit at fault of himself that he did not, number one, truly love God and truly love his neighbor, instead of being justified by throwing himself on the mercy of God, he tried to wiggle out of his conviction that Jesus was pouring out upon him. And not only Jesus, his heart. No, 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 no. I, I believe that his heart was, was softened, but also hardened at the same time. Um. You say, well, I think it just went into being hard. Well, once again, uh, I think Jesus wants everybody to be saved. Amen. Now, I think Jesus was gracious and merciful enough up to this point, knowing, knowing what this guy was trying to do, knowing what this man was trying to do. He was just, he was just trying to show some mercy to him. And even says there in our passage that you are right. You've answered right. Now, now do this. Just do this. Love God and love your neighbor and you got it. Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. Conviction. Um, probably heavy burden upon his shoulders. And the Bible doesn't say the time period here as far as was it was it seconds that goes right into verse number 29? Was it minutes, like a conversation that we're having, uh, some conversation that they were having together in that way? Did, did this man kind of like step away from Jesus after he said that, knowing and going back to the Pharisees and going back to the people that are pushing him or, or going back to the people and said, hey, hey, you're, you're the newest guy. You're the smartest guy now amongst us. Uh, you're the one who just came from that coffee shop and really got, really got some theological mm, caffeine in your mind. 
and in your heart because best theologians come out of coffee shops. Uh, the best people that, that know all about the word of God uh, uh, come from those who are commentators. And this guy was new. He was fresh. He was, <laughs> I don't know, maybe they just pushed him to him like, hey, go ask Jesus how you can have eternal life. He's like, well, I'm going to get this guy, this Jesus, this rabbi, this teacher. I don't know the whole situation. I know, once again, if he went back to, to the Pharisees or, or what happened, but he came back or he stayed there and he was full of conviction and willing, the Bible says, to justify, now, uh, okay, keep going, but willing to justify himself, he said unto Jesus, now, now who is my neighbor? Now, I want you to stop here and think about it. He didn't ask Jesus, who is, who is, your, who is my God and who is my neighbor? Because remember, he, he got those, well, he thought he got them all right. Hello? He, he thought he got them all right because, I mean, he answered right, thou shalt love the Lord thy God, okay, and then love thy neighbor as thyself. But, but it's, it's curious why he, when Jesus said, uh, uh, you answer right, this, go, this do and thou shalt live, that he then says, well, who is my neighbor? He didn't ask who is my God. What does that mean, Brother Seth? I have no idea. That just came to me right now. So now that there's a reason he already thought that he loved God with all his heart. Come on, with all his soul, with, with all his strength and with all his mind. And so I already got that one taken care of. Now, um, now, who is my neighbor? Willing to justify himself. Um, but but the, the problem is, he, he didn't have either of them right. <laughs> in, in a way, this lawyer was saying, as a lawyer would say, define your terms, Jesus. Uh, what do you mean by neighbor? And who is my, my neighbor? And Jesus answering and said, and he depicts this beautiful story about who is your neighbor. We, we know this story, and I'm not, not going to prolong that, but we know that Jesus used this story to help reiterate, not just, not just to this lawyer that needed to hear it, not just to the disciples that were also there, by the way, um, who continually didn't get it. <laughs> uh, other people that were in this passage, and I know I didn't do the historical background on all this, but this is uh, three stories that Jesus is talking about and three, three things that a Christian is supposed to be. He's supposed to be an ambassador in chapter uh, uh, 10, verses 1 through up to this point. We're supposed to be neighbors from 20, uh, 25 through uh, a latter part of, of verse 37. We're also supposed to be those who worship God as Martha and Mary. The conversation goes on and story goes on. And so Jesus was, was in, this, in the middle of this 
uh, a passage, it's trying to reiterate who is your neighbor. He uses a, a Samaritan. And by the way, that's significant. Because the Jews didn't like Samaritans. Um, the Jews despised Samaritans. And for those who may, didn't grow up in church, a Samaritan is this someone who is half Jew and half Gentile. They were despised. And I, I believe the biblical application uh, up, uh, up to this is that Jesus used a Samaritan as the hero. If I could say it that way. He used the Samaritan as a hero. And, and this would, I, I believe, disarm the Jews or the Jewish thinking uh, uh, this way, that it would disarm the Jews because of the great hatred they had towards the Samaritans. It was not a Jew helping a Samaritan. Catch this. It was not a Jew helping a Samaritan, but a Samaritan helping a Jew who had been ignored by his fellow Jews. Do y'all catch all that? So it wasn't just a, a, a Samaritan, uh, excuse me, it wasn't just a, a Jew helping a Samaritan, but a Samaritan helping a Jew who had been ignored by his fellow Jews, the priest, the Levite, those who are his fellow men, his colleagues, his, his people. The story depicts this, that the Samaritan loved those who hated him. He risked his life for the man, the, the man who fell uh, uh, um, uh, by the wayside to the thieves that, that beat him, that stripped him of his clothes and that left him half dead. The Samaritan uh, put his life and risked his own life just to help him. He not only just risked his own life, but he spent his own money to help him. And he was never publicly rewarded or honored. Because it's not like Jesus says, and then the Samaritan got praise and he, you know, he got retweeted many times and and uh, he it got posted on this and, and, uh, and all these things started happening. And man, he was praised and he was worshiped. And oh, no, it's just and Jesus moves on from that. Um, other than this, the Good Samaritan's story lives on. <laughs> yep. There's a lot of Christian organizations that are called Good Samaritan or Samaritan. So, so I, I believe that it wasn't just that it's a, it's a helpful story, but it's a story that shows mercy and love and kindness towards those who, look, don't deserve it or mm, are our enemies. You know, he was never publicly rewarded, this Samaritan. He was just showing a little mercy. The Samaritan identified with the needs of the stranger here and had compassion on him. There was, there was really no logical reason why he should, he should have rearranged his plans and even spend his own money to help this stranger in need. Think about it. Um, 
Of course, we know on this side, there's a reason Jesus is using this story. But I'm, I'm just saying to the lawyer, it was a little bit more meaningful. Jesus was, was preaching to him, was teaching to him, was preaching to the disciples, was preaching to everybody around him saying, hey, catch this. Understand this. There is no logical reason why he should, re he should have rearranged his plans and even spent his own money to help somebody in need. But mercy does not need a reason. That's what Jesus was saying. Mercy doesn't need a reason. That's why it's mercy. The lawyer being an expert in law, the lawyer certainly knew that God required his people to show mercy even to strangers and enemies. And I love once again how Jesus turned the tables on, on the lawyer, so to speak, which the lawyer was trying to evade the responsibility when he asked the question, who is my neighbor? Now, now come on, come on, I'm getting to the application part, so don't, don't fall asleep on me. Talking to teenagers right here. Okay. If you're awake, say amen. 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 Good. I've got three minutes. And some change. <laughs> the lawyer was trying to evade the question, the responsibility, rather, when he asked, who is my neighbor? But Jesus asked, which of these three men was a neighbor to the victim? Y'all catch that? And Jesus was, was telling the lawyer, there's a bigger picture here that you're missing. There's a bigger question here that you're missing. It's not who is my neighbor, but the question is to whom can I be neighborly to? Um, whenever people need us, there we can be neighbors and like Christ, show mercy. Now, application. The lawyer, the lawyer wanted to discuss neighbor in a general way. But Jesus forced him to consider a specific man in need. <laughs> Isn't that what Jesus did? Okay, let me get specific with you. Um, concerning your questions here. Your question, rather. Let me get specific. The lawyer wanted to discuss neighbor in a general way, but Jesus forced him to consider a specific man in need. And I love how, how uh, Jesus says this in verse number 37, but how the, but how the uh, lawyer responds, verse number 36, if you look at it with me, which, none of, which one of these three thinkest thou was neighborly to him that fell among the thieves? And here's his response, the lawyer's response. And he said, he that showed mercy, what? On him. And by the way, the lawyer didn't say the good Samaritan or the Samaritan. He said he. But it's implied here 
It is he. It's he that shows that showed mercy on him. Significant. See, we may read the passage and think, uh, uh, as far as the Good Samaritan, we may read the passage and think only of the high cost of caring. You think, man, there was a high cost of caring that the Samaritan had to do uh, in, his, in his realm of being a neighbor, in his realm of showing mercy. I mean, he had to stop what he was doing as far as traveling. He had to help with the man, he had to put uh, uh, oil and, and wine in his wounds. He had to wrap, it, wrap up his wounds. He had to take care of him. And by the way, that put him in a, in a situation to where those thieves might have still been around. And he had no idea, but he was doing it because he had, was showing mercy. And, and he continued that, not just by wrapping his wounds and helping him, but he threw him in his, on his own beast there and, and, and took him to an inn. And even at the end, he told the, the innkeeper, hey, I'm going to give you some money here and take care of him until I come back. And when he comes and when I come back, if you need any more money, then I'll take care of it. And sometimes we can look at that and think, man, what a cost. What a cost to that poor Samaritan who took care of that poor Jew that probably hates him very much. And sometimes for years, and even maybe up to this point, that's kind of how I read the Samaritan thing. I mean, what a high cost of caring it takes. But it is far, it is far more costly not to care. The priest and the Levite lost far more by their neglect than the Samaritan did by his concern. They lost the opportunity to become better men and good stewards of what God had given them. I, I, we're not talking about just anybody. This is a priest. You ever heard of a priest in the Bible? Kind of a big deal. Uh, somebody that you look at and think, okay, godly. For the, for the most part. <laughs> Pastors have been preaching through the, uh, Judges and preaching through other passages where, where Eli's sons, they, they were priests and Ah, I think they fell into this category here. Not much concern about God or their neighbors. But overall, priests in the Bible are, are, are known to, somebody, to be someone who cares and brings glory to God and shows the example of what we're supposed to be like. But they lost the opportunity to become better men and good stewards of what God had given them. They could have been a good influence in this bad situation, but they chose to be a bad influence in this situation. Christian, it, 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 it all depends on your outlook. That's for all of us. It all depends on our outlook. To the thieves, the traveling Jew was a victim to exploit, so they attacked him. To the priest and Levite, the traveler was a nuisance to avoid, so they ignored him. But to the Samaritan, he was a neighbor to love and help, so he took care of him and showed him mercy. And Jesus continues to say to us, go and do thou likewise. I'm sad to say, I don't know what happened to the lawyer 
After this point, Jesus moves on. And God's word moves on. Jesus exploits what he's trying to do by way of showing, okay, which one, which one is merciful? Which one of these is the one that you need to be like? And he got it, but I don't know if he got it. Now, that was back then. This is now. Um, as the title is this, just tr- trying to give you a friendly reminder, a neighborly reminder, that some people need some mercy. And I don't know what that looks like in your own personal life. I don't know what that looks like in your own personal schedule, uh, where you go to uh, work on a daily basis. But I guarantee that there's somebody who needs some mercy there. Uh, I don't know where you go to school, but I'm pretty sure there at your school, there's some people that need some mercy. Uh, I don't know who's in your house, but I know in every household, there's somebody who needs some mercy. And some of you young kids like, yeah, I need some mercy. I was not pretty good today in Sunday school class, and I need some mercy. Some Heartland students here who need some mercy. You just had midterms. Mercy. Yep. Um, But generically, Jesus usually takes something that's generic that we think about and go a little bit more specific. Um, we got a friend day coming up. And I appreciate that, Brother Raspberry. That, that was, what a great testimony that um, somebody invited you who saw his need and says, you know, I'm going to go do that likewise. I got saved and other people need to get saved. Other people need to be invited. And, and somebody invited him to a friend day. And, and guess what? He got saved. <laughs> There's other members in our, in our church who were invited to a friend day. and They got saved. And um, what it mainly boils down to is they got some mercy shown upon them in their life. I don't know um, in this room who needs some mercy, but I can tell you this, we all need a little mercy. If you're not saved here this evening, God already sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. And the payment for your death is already paid for. And God says, you just come forward and you receive some mercy. You ask Jesus in your heart. He forgives us of your sin. You repent from that sin that's causing you to go to a place called hell. And today you can receive the best mercy you ever received in your life. If you are saved, man... Let's not just be like that lawyer and think, well, 
Who is my neighbor? And willing to justify, willing to, to receive that conviction that you know it's there. Yeah. Trying to justify ourselves. Well, well I'm, I'm, Brother Seth, I'm too busy to give out friend days cards. I'm, uh, I'm too uh, preoccupied. Kind of like that priest who walked by there and he saw him and whew, went on by. And that Levi who walked by there, because the Bible says, and he saw that they both said and saw him. He needed some mercy. And maybe he's even, hey, maybe he's even crying out, mercy, have mercy on me. Don't you know there's souls out in this world every single day that you come in contact with? It might, might, might not be them physically saying, I need mercy, but their soul, their soul within them says, have mercy on me. Have mercy. Kind of like, kind of like that blind man who said, Mer have mercy on me. Have mercy. And he was yelling all the more, have mercy on me. They might not be saying it physically. I mean, they might be, they might be fine. They have a suit and... They have a fancy car and they got a nice house and they got all those things, but they don't have Jesus. Yes. So their soul is saying, have mercy on me. Yes. Somebody go and do that likewise. Yeah. You got neighbors. Who is your neighbor? Anybody and everybody who needs some mercy. In their life. You never know who that's going to be. Never know who that's going to be. They're calling out. Lord, help us to not just look at the need and walk on by, but see the need and do something about it. Yeah. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. Father, we come before you here this evening and we thank you for your word and Lord, once again, this is just, just a reminder. I know every Christian in here has read this passage. They even have applied it to their own lives here and there. But God, as we're coming up to a couple big days here at Southwest, I, I pray that this will be an encouragement to, to our congregation and to our people. Lord, there are people that, uh, that are in our lives and that we come in contact with that, that just need some mercy. Lord, you've called us to go. Actually, you've commanded us to go. To seek or to ask. And then a lot of times we just think, well, that's somebody else's job. Somebody else will do it. Somebody else will invite my friend. Somebody else will invite my neighbor. Somebody else will invite my coworker. Lord, just, it, it, it's just not something that I want to do or it's not something that I, I think is priority. Oh, Christian, it is priority. Don't ignore it. Don't, don't push it off to the side. Don't think, it, think it, it as a nuisance or something to be avoided. Think it as a way that you can show mercy on someone. Just like Jesus showed mercy on you. Lord, thank you for your word. Help it to impact the hearts of your people.